Uh, now the apostle, as you remember, is dealing in these first chapters with the situation in the church at Corinth. Now he reminded them here of how he first visited them because there was no church in Corinth until the apostle Paul went there and preached the gospel. The church came into being directly as the result of his preaching and his teaching. He formed and established a church, and it was a very great church and a flourishing church. But after a while, another element came in, and so the church was in very disturbed and unhappy condition when the apostle wrote this letter to them. That is why he writes. He is concerned because some of the things uh, that they were saying and believing were, in his opinion, attacking the very foundation of the gospel itself. So he reminded them of what he had first preached and what he preached to them and how he had to do this. I called attention to it because I've, I believe it is equally important at the present time. I need to take none of your, your time in reminding you of the state of the world. We are living in a world of crisis and a world of calamity, not just of pandemic situations and also the war uh, between Ukraine and Russia. You never know what the next new bulletin is going to bring forth. It is a world that is in a state of collapse in all, at most all, the every, almost every respect. It is a time of great trouble and perplexity. The great question that arises is this. Does the Christian church have anything to say at such a time? What does it have to say? What is the world's greatest need right now? What is the greatest need of every one of us, of every single human being? I call attention to this, to this great announcement and proclamation by the Apostle Paul, because I believe that the great Apostle here in this world deals with an answer and with these very questions. Notice he said that we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks a foolishness. And then he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 2 that he determined not to know anything among them save Jesus Christ and him crucified. As we see it was something quite deliberate. It was not hypothetical. His statement is that having looked at the whole situation, he came to this conclusion, this decision, that he was not going to know anything among them save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He knows what he must do as an apostle. In the text, Paul himself shows not only his decision, but also the decision of other fellow workers. So the next text shows that the first plural pronoun, we, preaches Christ crucified. Therefore, all ministers of the gospel must remember this throughout the whole uh, lives if they are really called to be uh, the pastors. 
Now this decision was quite a deliberate one because he could have said many other things. He was an unusually able and erudite man. He understands the people with whom he, com he comes into contact day by day. He knows what they want to hear. As we know, he was a Jewish person as well as a Roman citizen. He was a very intelligent and scholarly person. So he was able to reach out to his audience in their preferred ways. For example, as the Jews demanded signs, he was able to perform many miracles, far better than anyone else. In fact, he did many signs. As a scholar, he could teach wisdom to those who sought wisdom. Nevertheless, he says that we preach Christ crucified, and he determined not to know anything among them save Jesus Christ, him crucified. He knows that if he does so, in his ministry, it will be a great stumbling block to Jews. And it will be a foolishness to Greeks. In other words, he knew what these people really want to hear. And he was able to satisfy them with what they wanted to hear. The Greeks were very able people. A great philosophers. The apostle knew perfectly well that if he preached only Jesus Christ and him crucified and did not preach philosophy or any other things to them, they would dismiss him as an ignorance and as a fool. He was a Jew himself. He knew the Jewish attitude. He knew that the preaching of the cross was a real stumbling block uh, to the Jew, and the Greeks regarded it as a just nonsense. That the carpenter in a place like a Palestine, by dying on a cross, should be the savior of the world, it was an unutterable rubbish things. He knew exactly what the Jews and Greeks believed. Nevertheless, he decided deliberately that he would go on preaching it in spite of what they believed about it, the way in which they regarded it. But he gave up trying to meet the desires of the Jews and the Gentiles. Rather, he determined to preach Christ crucified. So it was a very a solemn decision. Why did he come to this decision? Why did Paul decide to believe in this way, to behave in this way? Why should every preacher of the gospel and the Christian church today come to this decision? I am convinced that the Christian church is powerless today and is ignored by the people because it has not made this decision because it's doing the exact opposite way and is trying to be all things to all men in wrong way and a wrong manner. So I regard it as very vital that we should be certain as to why the great apostle made this decision. I think he makes it deliberately, abundantly uh, plain to us as to what he did soon. So today, of course, the view is almost the exact opposite of this. The argument is that if the church and the Christian church is to have any impact upon people and is to win the people to the church and to Christ, well then, we must necessarily talk about things in which people are interested. 
That is this argument. It has been said throughout the centuries that it's not using going to man and woman in the midst of the, in the midst of life with all sorts and kind of problems and difficulties and just telling them about Jesus Christ and him crucified. They simply will not listen to us. You will have no impact at all. You will have a little uh, coterie of people, perhaps, but it will have no impact upon people. If you want to influence people, we are told, and want to affect them and to win them, you must talk about the things in which they are really interested. You remember we are told about the people in Athens, they spend their time in doing nothing else, but either to tell or to hear something new. They were all very fond of listening to people, and when Paul came along, and they said, what will they be able to say? They must read to listen. But they always wanted a man to speak about the things in which they were interested in. What were they? The people consisted partly of Jews, and mainly uh, probably of Greeks. What were they interested in? What they would want to poll, to talk about? The answer, of course, is quite simple. The Jews were always interested in the law, the law given by God through Moses to the children of Israel. And they were always arguing and debating about this, which is the most important and the cheapest element in the law, the first and the greatest commandment. Nothing pleased the Jews more than to be arguing about the law and the respective merit of particular commandments. And they were always ready to listen to a man who talked about the law. The Greeks were, we know exactly what they were interested in. The Greeks were primarily interested in what is called philosophy. In many ways, the Greeks were the ablest ablest and the most intelligent and the most intellectual people the world has ever known. Greece had produced the greatest succession of philosophers the world has ever known, Socrates, Plato, or Aristotle. They had all been preaching in Greece before Christ and Paul ever appeared on the scene and began to present their message. The Greeks were tremendously interested in this question of philosophy. What does it mean? Well, philosophy means the attempt to understand life. You see any intelligent man in a world like this, seeing the problems and pain and the troubles and the world, doesn't go and have a drink, so forget all about it. The anything intelligent man in the world, they ask, what are the things like this? What is the matter? What are the meant to be like this? Can anything be done about it? So these Greek men with their great mind applied themselves to the study of the problem of life and living. And of course, there were rival teachings and rival views. They all set up the so-called porches, academics, if you like what you would now correspond to our universities and schools and so on, 
and there were rival theories. You read about the Stoics and Epicureans, and they put forward their views and argues as to how many how men might perhaps even arrive at utopia, a perfect condition. But again, another branch of philosophy was what is called culture today. What do they mean by culture? Civilization. They were ex the expert architect and built magnificent buildings. I was admired yesterday when I arrived here to see this nice building. The day when I was arrived in this area for the first time, this building wasn't exist. <laughs> but yesterday, last night, I was guided by Mary. It was so wonderful to see these new places. Although I prayed for this seminary uh, all the time, but the, uh, the things I, I saw yesterday was really fantastic. I, I praise God for these wonderful works. And magnificent buildings, I think. But you can still go and see the ruins in Athens. General culture, architecture, monument, all these things, the same was true of art. They were interested in, in every shape and form, and they delighted in them and discussed them. In addition to that, they were great experts on sport. We get excited about Olympic Games and World Cup Games in this coming wintertime. But we did not start them. You know, it was the Greeks who started the Olympic Games, and they were such names. These were the things which these intellectual people worked out and elaborated. That was the center of their interest. They were concerned likewise about the social conditions, about the morality and conducted and behavior on all these matters. When the apostle came among them, he knew that these were, these were the subject in which they were interested in. And then anyone who talked about any one of these things was not only sure of an interest, but was such of keeping in congregation and might even become popular amongst people. Yet knowing of these things were the things the people were really interested in and having the ability and the understanding to, to deal with them, Paul deliberated, decided not to deal with any of this subject. We preach Christ crucified. Why didn't Paul preach uh, philosophy? Why didn't he preach politics? Why didn't he preach culture and science, art, and all these things? The answer is that he said they come to nothing. To note, why didn't the apostle preach perpetually on the details and the minute of the law as the Pharisees had always done? As we see in Romans chapter 3 verse 20 or chapter 8 verse 3, in other words, the law was a failure. Nobody could keep the law. The law about which these Jews and experts argued so much, it could not help them. It simply uh, condemned them. It exposed the need and the ears. But it left them 
groveling in the dust in complete hopelessness. I did not preach the law, says Paul, because it could not do anything for you. It comes to naught. It leaves you in utter helplessness. And the same thing applies precisely and exactly to all these other questions. Why did not Paul preach philosophy? His answer is that it all comes to nothing. He calls it here human wisdom, the wisdom of this world. All this comes to nothing, not a failure, nothing, a blank, an emptiness. And my dear friend, that it was true, then it is true today. And it has continued to be true throughout the centuries. People today are interested in the same things. We expressed it in different forms. But for 100 years time, more people have been trusting in these things. People have stopped to going to chapels and churches. Why? They have stopped believing the Bible. Why do they believe in philosophy? What do they believe in philosophy? The great philosophers. And you can hear them now whenever you like on the television and internet. Philosophy, politics, science, techniques. We're all assured that the politics would change the face of society. And science and techniques uh, might change the society. But now knowledge, science, understanding and philosophy, they would make a perfect world. But now this is a social fact. But what is the situation? What does it call to be? I am here to remind you that what the apostle said in this day, in his day, is equally true today. It comes to naught. It comes to nothing. Do not misunderstand me. There are particular benefits that we have all received and we thank God for these things. But they have all completely failed when coming face to face with the problems of man, uh, life and death and uh, the true living, peace, happiness and joy. They have come to naught. Do we know how to subdue man's destructive passions? The brilliant technology of the last few years is the only field of human activity in which there has been progress, but has been any advance in social matters. Are we living any better? There are many men and women who are going to solve the problems of education, knowledge, culture, philosophy, politics, and who are going to put the world right in the sight of God. That is what they have to admit at the end. Try to be a failed, a little kinder. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, I've got wisdom, but it isn't wisdom of this world. The thing you want me to be talking about, why am I not talking about it? I will tell you, it comes to nothing. It is a blank, it is a cipher. It leaves you at the end with nothing at all. Just try to be a little kinder. What a bankrupt. What a complete failure. This is what the world needs to be told today. That all it has trusted, the men it has trusted, have led them to the present 
else have nothing to offer us and have no hope. Paul and his fellow workers know such failure, despair, final despair. So they could not stop tell us, could not stop to tell us, we preach Christ crucified. Why does he preach this? Why should every preacher of the gospel preach this? Why should the church today be telling the whole world that we need to be told about this Jesus Christ and him crucified? First, that is what he was commanded to preach. That is what we are called to preach. Paul was given a commission to preach it. This was not commission to the apostles only. It is greatest commission to every preacher of the word, every preacher of the gospel. During the whole lifetime, Paul never forget this. Wherever he went, he always preached Christ, crucified only. Because it was the commission of Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Master of us, of all us. To preach Christ crucified is the duty of every preacher of Christ. Because it's the gospel, good news for sinners. So we are not the one who can speak of our ideas about God. And we are not the ones who can speak of morality or valuable things of human relationships. Paul says in, in Colossians chapter 1 verse 25, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. This is the biblical preaching that we should follow. Otherwise, we are not the one whom God has called to be a preacher. John the Apostle mentioned in John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 34, For he whom God has sent speak the word of God because God gives the Spirit without the measure. So we can say that the preach Christ crucified is the testimony of God himself. The Spirit of God has come to testify it in the church. He makes us powerful disciples of Christ crucified. This is the proof that we are true preachers who are led by the power of the Spirit. Why did God allow us to have the Spirit without measure? Because He wants us to preach Christ crucified. This is for wisdom we serve in our ministry. This is the only way for sinners to be saved, to be sons and daughters of God. This is the way for God's enemies to be heirs with the begotten Son, Lord Jesus Christ. This is the way for those who were in darkness to enter the kingdom of light. This is the way for us to be righteous before, Christ, before God. Holy God. You remember how Paul puts it in willing to the Romans. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the, the, the righteousness of God revealed 
from face to face, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Then he goes on, for the wrath of God has already been revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold down the truth in unrighteousness. So Paul says, that is why I am proud of the gospel. That is why I am so glad to preach it and consider it an honor to preach it. It is because the only hope for the people who are under the wrath of God. Are you know, my friend, this is the trouble with the world today we face day by day. The world of ours is under the wrath of God. This only explanation of, the, of this 20th century, in spite of all our education, cultural and philosophy and politics and scientific te technology, and all that we have done, the world is in an increasing model. Why? Because God hates the way the world is living. He has always said so. God said through an Old Testament prophet, there is no peace, says my God, to the wicked. And this is the explanation of the world now. That is why we need to preach Christ crucified only. My dear friend, have you listened to the God's diagnosis of our condition and the condition of the world? Paul was able to preach to them God's solution to our problems. That was to preach Christ crucified. If this is not the solution, what is there? Is there any other hope? No, there is none. There is, there is God's plan for the salvation of the individual and of the whole world. God's plan of salvation prepared and ordained before the very foundation of the world. But now, put the practice, it is the only answer. God so loved the world that he gave. Or he gave a great philosopher, or a great politician, or a great scientist. No, he gave this only begotten son, Jesus of Nazareth, the Lord of glory. Paul came to this realization on the road to Damascus. He had regarded this Jesus as a carpenter, dismissed him, and derided him. He had blasphemed him. But on the road to Damascus, he changed his mind. He discovered, he despised, this despised Jesus is the Lord of glory, the second person in the blessed Holy Trinity. That he had been in the, this world because God his Father has sent him this is God's way of salvation. This is what Paul preached. God has visited and redeemed his people. God has come into time. God has sent his own son. He had raised great prophet, great servant. They all failed. But now he sent his only son. So Paul preached Jesus Christ to them. 
showing them that he was none other than the eternal son of God and the Lord of glory. This was proved by his miracles. It was proved by his life and by his teaching and his perfect example. But above all, it was proved by his conquest over all the devils and everything that the salesman. It was proved by his conquest of the tempest, the raising of the sea, the storm, the Lord of creation. And supremely it was proved by his glorious resurrection. One, he even uh, burst asunder the band of death and arose triumphant of the grave, Jesus Christ. Dear brothers and sisters, man's supreme need is to be right with God and to be blessed by God only. How can it happen? Here are my sins and they come between me and God. But I cannot get rid of them. What I have done, I have done. But if I spend all eternity trying to erase my sins, I cannot do it. But God must save. God alone can do it. God has done it in Jesus Christ on the cross. So preach Christ crucified only. To not preach Christ crucified makes a church not true church of Christ, but a heretical religious group. Be faithful servant of Christ as you preach the word of God. It must be central in our ministry if we are true preachers of the gospel. We are not the ones to say what people want to hear, but what people must here. May the Lord richly bless your ministry in your hometown. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we give thanks to thee for the gospel that we have received through thy Lord Jesus Christ, thy begotten Son, O gracious God. We thank thee for this wonderful message that we have received, even through the human um, being, as like a Paul, Apostle Paul, or Lord. So we thank thee for this calling that we are called to be the same servant of the word. Oh, gracious God, grant us wisdom and power so that we could able to Deliver thy truth to the people who do not want to hear the word of God, but Lord, persuade them through thy power of the Holy Spirit. They might come to know this truth through our ministry, O Lord. Though we are so feeble and weak in sight of thee, but Lord, grant us a power of the Holy Spirit so that we would be able to fulfill thy word in this world. Lord God, we thank thee for the old faculty members in this seminary. Train thy people to be a good servant of the word in the future. Oh Lord God, not only grant them the knowledge of the human wisdom, but also, Lord, knowledge of the spirit and a fierce the heart of the people. Oh Lord God, 
and grant them the great power to deliver thy word and to exalt the name of the Lord. Also, Lord God, we are very much tempted to uh, preach what the people really want to hear, but Lord God, help us to deal with thy truth only. We can do anything against the truth, but for the truth, O oh Lord God, bless our brothers and sisters who are working in this seminary. Lord, make this place uh, for the center of thy uh, message and uh, flow overflowing to the world. Wherever the people come to, uh, to study this, thy word in this seminary, Lord, uh, bless them, uh, uh, fill their heart with thy power and thy knowledge of the word so that they could able to present the truth only in their own places they, uh, they were sent. Lord God, we commit ourselves to thee. Be with us continually, Lord, help us to protect us from all evil attackers. But Lord, exalt thy name only through our ministry. The Father and our sins, we give all these things, uh, we pray these things to, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.